This interview was conducted in April 2022 when Melissa was CMO at Match Group's OKCupid. In July, she became CMO at Match Group's Tinder. I'm George Sleffo. And I'm Eileen Sleffring. And welcome to the third season of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing. And in this episode, we speak to Melissa Hobley, Chief Marketing Officer at dating app OKCupid, and Jason Harris, President and CEO of Mechanism, the brand's agency of record. Melissa and Jason discuss their creative partnerships and how the dating app benefits from being fearless and bold in its marketing. So Melissa and Jason, you guys are both here to talk about Every Single Person, which came out in the summer of 2021. Um, Now, this campaign showcases all types of daters, pansexuals, we see submissives, vaxxers, bears, and bookworms. The images are very suggestive, to say the least. Um, Vaxxers, for instance, are seen like making out with a single tongue. It's a campaign basically that many brands would run away from, really. So, Melissa, you have a dress that the campaign is likely to offend people in America. Um, What makes the brand so comfortable with being so bold in its advertising? Thanks. You uh, you definitely looked at all the images. I I love it. I appreciate it. And and thanks so much for having us on. You know, um, a couple of things. One, uh, you know, I think OKCupid is the underdog and the challenger brand and has been around for a longer time than the other apps in a category that's now hyper competitive. And also OKCupid had no marketing team or CMO for the first 15 years of its life, which is crazy. Like I can't think of a consumer brand that remained a player for 15 years without a, a marketing team. I mean, no campaign, no billboard, no budget, no, no, nothing. Part of the boldness was what's really happening with daters. I was not impressed with a lot of the marketing and the dating app category when it came to inclusivity and representation and how are people sleeping together and how are they hooking up and how are they identified? I, I think I thought the category is really lacking in that. And, and mechanism was so great as a partner, because when we said we want to be bold and we want to have powerful insights that are true and that are real, and we've got to do this in an interesting, provocative way, partly because it's real. And partly because when you don't have those giant budgets and you don't have tons of star power, but your product is better and you really believe that you feel like you have the permission to be aggressive and loud and make people uncomfortable. And mechanism is always up for that. They're always up for that challenge. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this, you've said before that this campaign is the first to mention pansexuality. Um, Why is it so important for the brand to be one to break these types of barriers and be so inclusive? Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be hearing about pansexuality so much, and we're starting to hear about what it means to be non-binary. And also this is the first national global campaign to put the words non-binary in a big format, we think, which is a little crazy. Um, Again, we're 
we're obsessed with what is really happening because we're inclusive and because we have this almost 20 year track record of inviting all kinds of communities, all kinds of daters, our, our data is better. Our insights are better. We, we have this reputation. So we really know, unlike some very giant players who at least at, at, for a long period of time, some of these huge dating apps said, we are not interested in you if you're not straight. So, um, you know, we're paying close attention. We're talking to people. We're one of the only apps also born and raised in New York city. So we have, um, all kinds of people, uh, on the app and in the experience. So that, you know, keeps us ahead of, of what's out there. You know, what we know now is people are telling dating apps what they're looking for before they have come out to their family and friends before they are maybe even sure about that themselves. And maybe that's fluid and, and they're figuring those things out. So, so in many ways, what one of the things we discovered and it became especially true during COVID is that, okay, but understands and knows how people are identifying and who they want to date and love and sleep with um, maybe before, uh, before many other places. The reason I know that this campaign was successful is literally just today we were having lunch and, and it got brought up that we were doing a podcast with OkCupid. And I kid you not, everyone at the table saw your campaign. Uh, and, and what was interesting is like two of the people who were talking about your campaign, they were married. So they're not even single, but they're familiar with, with this particular campaign. A big part of that success was getting it on the New York City subway which, uh, as any marketer would know, is not easy to achieve, especially when you guys are rolling out the type of campaign that you rolled out. Can you describe what that process was like and what some of the challenges were? And, and things went a little viral. It went outside of New York City as, as a result of getting in there. I think the, one of the signs of good work is not just that you see the needle move on your business, but that people talk about it and they remember it. And Jason and I would be texting each other when people would post the ad or part of the ad to their Instagram or their TikTok or their Snap. And uh, and that's the the ultimate compliment. Um, running on the New York City subway is such an interesting experience. They are not in the business of advertising. They're in the business of getting you from Brooklyn to Soho, to the Upper East Side, to the Bronx, to Queens. And uh, it was interesting. Every single campaign that Jason and I have uh, meaning mechanism and OkCupid okay have put on the subway gets at least one piece rejected. Um, what was really interesting though, is with this every single person campaign, we, we turned it on in September of 2021 and in January of 2022. So four or five months later, they had rejected like four of the images that they had said yes to four months earlier. So, so not only is it difficult, you don't know, they give you no notice, you kind of have to scramble, but, but even in light of a lawsuit that, um, I believe it was Dame, the sex toy company ran against the subway, they changed some of their policies and they rejected additional creative. And we had to, we had to scramble a little bit, uh, to get it up there. Cause also, you know, when you're printing your, you actually have to have time to go to the printers to print out thousands of pieces that are, you know, it's like magical elves that replace that stuff like two in the morning somewhere in the bowels of, of, I don't know, Brooklyn. I have no idea. Jason, maybe he, maybe he knows. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Cupid, I think is so groundbreaking in the idea, which, which I think is behind the, the thrust of behind every single person campaign is it is the most inclusive dating app out there in a sea of competition. 
And I think pushing that message and that idea has been uh, really prolific for the brand to stand for something and uh, really put their marketing dollars and their message behind that idea of, of inclusivity. And the Every Single Person campaign, which, which we're talking about, really did spark a debate online over the messaging. And, and there was a viral video of a woman on a subway train ripping it down, ripping down the posters, which um, I remember when that happened, I was like, oh man, are they going to be like pissed about that? Is that going to be like a problem? And they loved it. Uh, you know, Melissa and, and the CEO absolutely loved it because it was creating conversation and the video of the uh, work being ripped down, that ended up having a life of its own outside of the work. And that was viewed many times and it got a conversation started. And if you can put a dent in culture with your work and get people talking, that's when you know the work is is powerful and you're you're making a statement. And and that's one thing we love about about the brand is they they know what they stand for and they're not afraid to, you know, push the boundaries with the work, talk to the MTA, <laughs> you know, get videos of people ripping down the work. But that is what makes brands create talk value and and makes brands famous. You also like, you know, the videos went viral of people ripping it down that got the news, but you also attracted the attention of a fringe group. And didn't that actually end up working to your favor? Like who wants to shed insight on that? We usually get far right groups coming after us. This one was interesting because it was like an active subway and this this small group of people were, were ripping them down and saying, you're, you know, this is propaganda. You're trying to brainwash our kids, I, I, a number of things. I mean, and I mean, it had millions and millions of views uh, and, and a lot of far right publications and media kind of came out and, and against us, but that drove people to jump to our defense. George Takai had posted what, um, you know, what we said, which was basically, we're going to, not only are we not walking away from this, we're going to bring it, launch it again. We're going to donate a dollar for every like that this hateful homophobic rant went to our partners, Glad, which they also, we worked with them to make sure the campaign was, was hitting the notes and was sensitive and respectful in all the ways that we wanted to do it. Would you say that was like you guys doubling down on the controversy? when you when you did the the donation element certainly doubling down on on the statement and doubling down on the on the work you know game on bring it you want to say that featuring all kinds of identities and love and connection is propaganda fine so be it you know we we once had a petition that said it was by citizen go and they're really far right they're like into gay conversion therapy they're like really a terrible organization. And they said, you're trying to promote lesbian sex. And we said, we cannot believe you're saying that. Yes, we are trying to promote lesbian sex. We're trying to promote all kinds of sex. You're leaving out everybody else on the table. And, and I'm, I'm really lucky that OkCupid allows for a culture of that and allows for us to do it. And, you know, that mechanism, you know, the work was so good that mechanism did that it hit that chord. You know, if, if it had been uninteresting, if it had been, if it felt like a PSA, remember it was awful, like the more, you know, stuff that we had like in middle school, it was so bad. And, you know, what mechanism did is 
made it feel like art and it felt so beautiful. And, and that's what also offended people. A lot of brands that we would work with or that any agency would work with, they, um, in a different organization and a different culture, they may have supported the work, but as soon as there was controversy, they would be afraid to offend anyone. So they might put out a statement, you know, that this was our work and we believe in inclusivity, but we did not want this work to offend anyone and would sort of um, toe the line and maybe pull back from supporting the work. And I think what OkCupid does really well is they almost want the work to create conversation and they're prepared for it. So when they had that idea of uh, we believe in it so much that we're going to do some donations to to GLAD and support this community even more, that's the right way to react to it. And that is the way that you really build momentum as you get into the controversy and you stay with your point of view versus trying to make everybody happy, which you never can do. There's no doubt that this campaign went viral, is hugely popular. Um, but what were the exact results? Like, did it actually drive more people to download the app? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and we started to see it uh, initially with the social chatter and the buzz and people posting about it or talking about it. And within two days, we saw a really nice jump. And then two or three days after that, the jump went up a little bit more and it, and, and it stayed up and it stayed up and it stayed up. So, um, I, and that's, you know, reflective also of people feeling like they can date more coming out of COVID, which is also why we wanted to be loud and be there. So OkCupid as a dating app has access to a lot of first party data because everybody's signing in, logging in. You're able to glean basically all these insights about your users. How does having that type of data help basically the brand be as fearless as you guys are? Oh, that's a great question. It's not just that we, uh, that we've been around a while so we can see what's, what's happening and we can see the trends. And we talk to, um, we have a brilliant cultural anthropologist who is helping us be ahead of what's shifting and what's driving that. But, um, it is that we ask you more, we ask you more. The average dating app is going to ask you, are you looking for a short-term or long-term? Are you looking for, uh, five miles, one mile in New York city. We're like no more than one mile. I'm not getting two. We're not, we're not crossing two bodies of water. No, no, no. I'm in New Jersey. That means I have a cutoff. Right. So they're asking about location. They might ask you about religion. Does it matter? They might ask you if you want kids or not. We are going to ask you about everything you can imagine. It's all optional and you don't have to even go down the rabbit's hole, but the fact that we are asking you how you feel about these issues, it informs the marketing. So we talk about reproductive rights uh, and having a pro-choice filter. We talk about that in our marketing because it is one of the most important issues for young women in particular around the U.S. So it, it makes us have a, such a rich idea of what is moving people and what matters. And it used to be that I don't want to talk politics or social issues. And now it is, I need to know that you voted. It's not right, but what's not happening is we're not having everybody say, you have to agree with me on these 17 issues. And if we didn't vote exactly the same on every single ballot, I'm not dating you. It's not that. It's, it is, um, are you engaged in these issues? And like, that's the turn on is let's debate it. You know, as a CMO, 
like if I was in your shoes, I'd be feeling a little bit of pressure of like, what what's next? What's the next big thing? Like, how am I going to top this? What are you thinking about? You know, the data every day is coming out about Gen Z not being heterosexual and cis. And, you know, I, the data I heard yesterday is six out of 10 Gen Z folks are not straight. So, so I think an area that we think about um, to make people feel firm, supportive, but also for competitive advantage is, is around orientation and sexuality and how do you create a product that has the features and the nuances uh, to support you? And then how do I reflect that in the marketing, but still stay interesting? And it doesn't feel performative and it doesn't feel like you're just doing it to do it. I feel a lot of pressure to do that. And, and, and Jason probably has in some ways you may have even more pressure because people like me will say, Hey, we've got these pressures. Can you help us figure out how to solve it? Are you getting a lot of that, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. When you're building brands through iconic hits, you always have to think about how do we, what's the next hit? What's the next thing we can do to, to keep the brand um, iconic and consistent. And it's, it's a challenge. What's great about, um, relationships and OK Cupid and the idea of every, every single person and that theme that you can kind of run with um, for for a while. There's an unlimited amount of uh, things that matter to make people understand that it's you know the most in- inclusive uh, dating app out there. When you land on a on a good idea and a big platform, you can run with it for a while and keep it, keep it fresh. And when you don't have that, um, core or the soul of the brand and what it stands for, you're kind of inventing things to, to make the brand create hits. And I think what's great about OkCupid is they, they have a a real platform that you can, you can run with for a while. When in 2019, OkCupid shifted from Wyden Kennedy to Mechanism, your former Wyden Kennedy, Melissa, but you know, what prompted that that change like what made you guys move away because widen kennedy is widely celebrated it's it's probably regarded as one of the top agencies so what prompted that shift why'd you guys go with mechanism i'm gonna be totally honest and i'm not just trying to make him feel good i met jason and i am a relationships person when you are under fire and the business is you know you got a lot coming at you um reputation is an ingredient but you need to feel like you have someone in the trenches with you that is going to go to bat, deliver the great work and, and be a close partner, especially when you're doing work like this. You know, I have friends, I have a lot of CMO friends at, at businesses that will never do provocative or culturally meaningful work. Right. And, and the stakes are not as high and the work is about is, is this close to the business? Um, meaning they have to deliver immediate traction and revenue and, and clicks and whatever it may be. And we still want to be meaningful and move the business forward, but we don't want to separate those two things. And when I met Jason and the team, um, by the way, they do a lot of great work behind the scenes. They don't talk about, but they do meaningful work for people that cannot afford the brilliant creative brains that are there. And so I loved that they are, they are showing up beyond the bottom line. I, I really love that about, about, about what they're doing. Um, Jason has done a lot of work around initiatives and causes that are, are really important. Um, and, and so it really was, 
you know, I felt, I felt like this is a team that cares. I also did my homework and I heard about the great culture that they had and you need good cultures for great creative. You can get it without it. But I think when you have teams, like a lot of, you know, you guys are editors, writers, you've been in interesting places. Um, it's when you don't feel confident and you don't feel supported, the creative isn't as great or it takes a lot longer to get there. And we're all, you know, can we have this tomorrow? I got no money. I have no time. And I need it to be viral and people like it. And we got to do it really quick. And I, I really felt like they had a culture and mechanism that would enable that. And I care about reputations, but I don't, you know, I care about the team and like, are you going to do great work with us? You know, Melissa is, that's why she was on the, uh, Forbes list, but she is just incredibly persuasive. And we, you know, we have shared values. We believe in their mission. We believe in what they're doing. And, you know, for us, that's more important than, you know, is it, is it the biggest account in the world? Uh, is it going to, you know, be hit our bottom line, you know, maybe not as much as other brands or other accounts, but the work is going to make an impact. And that's the most important thing for us. Now for all the daters out there, what does the data point to when it comes to like deal breakers? Okay. So you are more likely to get a like, a match, a date. If you believe in climate change, if you voted, if you're vaxxed, if you have more than three pictures on your profile, you get 30% more likes. FYI, that's just a general one. Um, and then, you know, there's other things. If you just write about what you care about and what moves you and your profile has more than, you know, just a couple words, you, you're also going to get, going to get some more love, but it's interesting, you know, religion used to be a much bigger deal breaker and, and it was declining, 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 and then COVID and it really declined. Um, so people are shifting on what their deal breakers are. And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next week we will talk to Stephanie Sherman, DraftKings' new chief marketing officer. What has remained consistent is really the fun and excitement that comes with, you know, having skin in the game in whatever form that takes daily fantasy sports betting. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikich, Kat Vesey, Melinda Zurich, and Christine Gallagher. And remember, one of the signs of good work is not just that you see the needle move on your business, but that people talk about it and they remember it. I'm George. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next week. 